Hello and welcome back to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is our good friend, long-lost friend, Josh Cacho. Josh, welcome back. How are you? I mean, it is good to be back. It's While it's night for you, it is about 12.45 p.m. for me. So it's we mm-hmm. just had lunch. We're hanging out in the, here in the Philippines, um, enjoying the, the laid-back island life. So you know, fi- after finally taking, you know, about what we were here since September, but it took us about a good three, four months to get settled in, um, into the thick of things. But now that we're here, you know, it's been, it's been good. So yeah, uh, it's nice to be back. Yeah. And even though I call Josh the long lost <laughs> co-host, it's, uh, it is me that had to reprioritize things in my life and make sure that, uh, some personal issues were attended to. And, uh, so you can all blame me for the long layoff. We're happy to be back. Um, but our little rinky-dink show just took a backseat to other more pressing issues uh, on my part. So thank you all for your patience and coming back. Um, Josh, we haven't been around for a long time. We stopped mid-playoffs, so there's a lot to cover. Um, we'll get to the playoffs. We'll get to the U.S. Open Cup fiasco because there's no way I'm letting MLS off the hook for that. We have... Uh, the transfer window opened in Europe, closed in Europe, right? So uh, it's still open in, in MLS. Um, so there's still room for more signings on our side. Um, but a lot to get to tonight. Um, Josh, first off, I guess um, the 2023 MLS season for LAFC, what are your thoughts? Success, failure, Meh, what what do you got? I think this this topic comes with a lot more perspective now, right? I think if you were to have asked me this same question 10, 15 years ago, right? Prior prior to starting a family, prior to becoming, you know, like when you went again, like we talked about earlier, when our priorities are much different, um, you know, this probably, I probably would have been so disappointed, distraught, name, name whatever negative thing mm. that you want to call it. But I think with time, actually, you know, after the end of the season, um, even it comes to a point now where, like, again, you look at the totality of things and you look at you look at where things could stand, and then I kind of look at okay, this wasn't it's disappointing, right? Like, obviously, you want to win the championship every single year, you want to be in the thick of things every single, you know, you want to be you want to hope raise trophies, you know, every single year. But when we go to the biggest clubs in the world, right? Like my Liverpool is my team, you know, my team in Europe. But you know, they won I had you know, two trophies in in mm. this, you know, in the in the recent in in the recent times. And still fans will, you know, look at it as a positive thing, right? And I think when you look at it's hard because with with LAFC, it has such a short history. That it doesn't, we haven't experienced true lows in the sense, you know, we haven't gone through the the period that the galaxy have gone been through in for the last, mm. you know, ten years or whatever. And we haven't been where some of these other teams that have changed ownership multiple times and all these different things have been. So I think it's like with that perspective, I'm like, okay, like as a fan, it is nice, you know, it's it it's we're privileged in the sense that we're that we have an ownership group and a front office. And a group of players, right, that is gunning for success year in, year out, right? Because too often in Major League Soccer, and we see it all the time, 
there's teams that just punt altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Even when they try, sometimes they end up punting by the time it goes in. And that's the the downside of American sports. Like how many times like we have a promising season, halfway through the season, okay, it's time to tank for your draft picks, right? So right. in at least within Major League Soccer, the draft doesn't nearly play nearly, and thankfully, doesn't play a huge role in how you how how the teams operate year to year, um, and so at least like I said I'm I'm happy to be to follow a club that, um, you know that is making that effort all the time that you know is constantly looking reevaluating itself looking to improve, um, you know again do I wish we would have come come back with a f- uh, all the trophies from last year when you ha- you know when you're in it, sure was it disappointing to not have brought back a single one absolutely, but I like I said. After with a new, I, like I said, I can enter in the season with a sense of you know a lot more optimism than I think I would have had you have we been dealing with a team that's not nearly as um, hopeful. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not the best word to use, but like you know, that's not gonna you know be trying as much as LAFC do regularly. Yeah. Uh... I think it is a, maybe it's a silly question. Is it a success or a failure? Because it, there doesn't leave any room for um, picking apart and analyzing what actually happened throughout the season. Um, I would say that failing to capture any of those trophies is a problem, right? In that, you put yourself in so many games and this is where the success is, right? Just like you said, you are in, if there's a big match related to MLS, you are in it, right? You're in the final, you're in uh, the CCL final, right? You're in all these, you're in the driver's seat for so many of these opportunities. Um, And then you fall short. Now they also played more games than anybody has in history, I think in a calendar year. And that gets us into MLS salary cap rules, which as everybody knows, um, I think are just absurd and like, I, I wish they would change tomorrow. Um, because they, it doesn't make any sense for what they're trying to, to do as a league and as individual franchises of that league to handicap themselves the way that they do all to protect a handful of owners that are clearly just in it for financial reasons and don't care about the actual game. Um, those are the owners that should be forced out that they're, I mean, in a better system, they would be forced out because <laughs> they would suck so bad. Um, but we'll get into some of that in the open cup discussion. So I, I don't think 2023 is a failure. I think, uh, as like pushing the LAFC brand and, and a team that is chasing success, you did that, right? You went out, you competed. You were in all the biggest moments, um, and you lost them. So don't go full Tottenham this year. But like, let's <laughs> there. There's something. There's something to applaud there, right? Um, yeah, so. I mean, because like I said, the 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 flip side is right, and I think this is probably something that that I think people we've we've heard it a lot in defending the team, right? It's like if our season a failure, what the heck does that say about every other team? In the yeah, league, yeah, right. Yeah. Which, you know, again, like, and so we're obviously measure we measure ourselves by by our own success, and fortunately, we've been very successful as a club, and that's why we have such high standards. 
and I don't and I don't think that should change, right? I do think that we want to continue to maintain that that aspiration, right? Because I don't want to I don't want to I'm you know like I said I don't want to be at a club that's not, you know follow a club that's that's not even trying, right? That's yeah. that's non aspirational. That's again like you're saying like we have an owners an ownership group that is just there for purely financial reasons. So you know, like I said, it it's it, maybe it's a glass half full mindset, right? But mm-hmm. you know, considering the rest of the world, I'd rather have a glass half full mindset than you know deal with the rest of the negativity that we typically find ourselves yeah. in these days. I think the one thing that I will say um, is that, in terms of like a failure, and again. You, I don't even know that I fully agree with calling this a failure, just that as we're pointing it out, um, what LAFC did last season is not sustainable for another season. As you chase more trophies and whatever, like this idea that we are only going to (laughs) score goals through Denny Bowanga or like kind of like half created turnovers elsewhere. Like they have to add, more depth to their attack. And I don't, I don't just mean attacking pieces, which we'll get into later as well, like new players. I mean the way that they attack. Outlet balls to Danny Bowanga are great, but as, you, as we saw throughout the playoffs, teams are going to take that away. And even in the final, everybody's saying, oh, he's going to get his goal. He's going to get his goal. He's going to get his goal. And he got his goal. And guess what? It wasn't enough. And... We can talk about, oh, well, they created some other chances too. They just didn't capitalize on them. But you have to create a, a, a wider variety of chances from more places. And again, I think personnel has a lot to do with it. I also think that the way that they played, the way that they chose to play in 2023 led to that. And you can go back through some of these games. I mean, one of the oddest ones, Josh, is the CCL final that you and I were at where we ran out of back three. Right. And it was abysmal, just abysmal. Right. And why do you do that? Well, it's because you're betting on Denny Bowanga as one of two strikers in that, in that situation. Right. And well, we're going to find him, we're going to find him and he's going to get a bunch of goals. And that is not, it's just not a recipe for success on the biggest stages in North America. You can do it against Colorado in June. Sure. Fine. That's going to be, it'll work fine. But on the bigger stages, that can't be the game plan. Yeah, and I think even in that same conversation, right, about, like, the back three, I think it can be argued that they still didn't really change their approach. It was a switch of formation to do the exact same thing that they were trying to, right? right? It's not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. they're... This this season, right, is it's less of a... Or the adjustments were, let's... We can tweak the shape of it. We can make tweaks, right? You know, make make slight adjustments, but it's not a, it's not a. There wasn't like not I want to say a full scale change, but there definitely wasn't another piece to it, right? What's the evolution? What's that next level? Right. Um, right. You know, and again, you even if you go to go back to the championship year in twenty twenty two, it's kind of the same thing, right? You just yeah. happen to have you can overcome that that lack of of again not personnel straight personnel depth but tactical depth with sheer talent 
Yes, right? because and you can bring on Gareth Bale, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And it's 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 different. It's not just like you can you can create moments with personnel as well. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I mean that's something that I would and I I uh it would blow me away if LAFC came back out next year and just doubled down and said we're it's it's just round two <laughs> we're reloading in the same exact way everything runs th- runs through Boanga we're not going to score you know he's going to get 19 goals this season and we're going to have you know a few other guys with four or five and that's it like that's not going to be the way it is this year yeah they'll, i mean to be fair that 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 the 2023 is almost a reflection, a better reflection of 2019 when you really think yeah, about it, yeah. right? In the sense that, like, you had, I mean, you had two in that case, right? You had a, you had Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi just, just going bananas. Works so well, yeah. right? But you still fall short, mm-hmm. right? And again, and was it, was it a matter of Bob? Was it a matter of the, no, but I think ultimately it came down to the same thing, right? It's like you're, you, you end up being a bit one dimensional. In the you know that when you when your initial game plan doesn't come to fruition, and Bob's was obviously more dominated possession, but your your offense was predicated on turnovers. Yeah, right. This defense is a little bit same thing, but again, it's more more um, you know, the outlet game, right? The yeah. the transition game take, is probably the take feature. The ball. We're going to funnel you where we want, and then we're going to hit immediately after we turn over the ball. And again, that's fine. But you got to have two threats, and like I'm sorry, but playing that game with an aging Carlos Vela is not going to do it. And a you know center forward position that you just punted on until the summer, and then brought in Mario Gonzalez, and it didn't work out. Like you, you know that you you got rid of Chicho, who could have done that game just fine, um, and got you got bit by it, right? You got caught you got caught trying to make turn a buck and it, it just didn't work with Gonzalez. So yeah, I hopefully, hopefully for this year, if they do play that same kind of game, then uh, meaning like funnel you here, turn it over, hit on the break that they have a few more viable threats as opposed to just pulling up. Yeah. I mean, it says hopefully, and we'll get into it later with when we get into the transaction portion of the show, but definitely, you know, like I said, if you got to have more, you got to have more, right? Like, yeah. I think they, they got away last year with obviously Buanga being hot, but also having one of the better defenses, if not yeah, the best defense absolutely. across the board in the league. But, I mean, say what you will about Columbus. The way I love Wilfred Dancy's, uh offensive approach. Yeah, everybody go. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I hate to continue to to be on board with the rest of Major League Soccer and, and the love fest, but it's truly deserved in that case, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so enough of that. Uh, came up short, not all failure. Um, let's get into the U.S. Open Cup because this is something that was hard for me to watch <laughs> without being on the show and I just watch unfold and not say anything about really. Um because I think what it did is really expose MLS for what it is, which is a monopolistic entity that's only interested in the game that it sells. And that is not 
it does not sell the same football as the rest of the world. And you can cry, you can laugh, you can you can scream as loud as you want. You can you could freak out all you want, but you are never going to change my mind on that. What MLS sells is a different product. It's a different thing than what everybody else sells because they are the league and they are the franchise, right? They are everything and they don't want anybody else in unless they pay their extortion fee. And the way that they went about trying to crater the open cup is just unfathomable to me. The idea that they would just say, you know what, we're going to pull our first teams because they're competing too much. And they will hide behind this ridiculous argument that, oh, well, our teams are playing too many games. This is a great opportunity for, you know, MLS next teams or whatever it is, whatever it's called at this point to compete. But it directly cuts against the spirit of what the Open Cup is, right? Of what makes the Open Cup something awesome which is the fact that it's open, which is something you and I talk about all the time. This is bigger than promotion relegation. So don't, I don't want anybody to focus too myopically on promotion relegation. It's the fact that it's an open system. Anybody can enter and anybody can rise based on the merit of their team, not based on how deep their owner's pockets are or the financial group that's backing them to build their $500 million stadium or the blessing of Don Garber. It's based on sporting merit. And that's what makes it so pure. And that's what MLS is missing. And what and what's like what is the main reason that they want to do it? It's because it now competes against their cup. It competes against the league's cup for eyeballs and attention and also minutes, right? They their player, they have franchises competing in both these these uh, competitions and they only want their franchises in the thing that's going to make them the most money. And that's what businesses do. Fine. Got it. People will say, Oh, well, at least we have soccer. At least we have professional soccer in the country. Fine. I get it. You can have that argument, but it's not the same. And I think everybody knows that. And people are just afraid to actually say it about this league that just like laid bare how uh, how little they care about anything else that's not under their brand. Yeah, I mean, and again, the crazy thing is, it's like you know, look at the you know the the what is it the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, mm-hmm. right? Are they ideal? You know, the Carabao Cup is probably something closer to League's Cup. Right, the trans- yeah. direct translation yeah. of it, um, even though like because you're involving just like the you're not you don't go all the way down the pyramid, but at the same time, like you don't have you didn't have to pull as big of a stunt as MLS tried to pull, right? Like yeah. you can technically play whoever you want. Now I don't know if there's just weird roster machina- you know weird issues with the roster where because of the way that things are structured entity wise, you couldn't just pull an academy player in there and let them play anyways. Without yeah, having what LAFC to did last yeah. year against the Galaxy. And, and again, w- as LAFC fans, we don't have any problem with that, right? Like, yeah. that, if you're going to do it, that's the way you got to do it, right? Like, you you play who you th- you know who who you're able to, and then you go out about from there. But to go in full to go full on and be like, oh, we're only going to send the MLS next teams. I just don't know what who thought that was going to be a good PR move. 
right? Like you could have. They, they were don't. All, they don't care. Yeah. So this the teams is, this have quietly been doing this the whole time, right? Like, yeah. This is the problem: is they don't have to care about the bad PR, and it's because they own the top flight in this country. And until U.S. soccer, like, actually grows a backbone and challenges that, they can do whatever they want. And they and they will continue to do so. And again, this is this is just one of those moments where, like, look, I I am an LAFC fan. I like going to games with my kids. I like that my kids have something that like they can relate to a little bit easier that they can watch at normal times, right? Um, but this is where I break completely with the league. And if LAFC has a problem with it, I break with them on it because. I care about the game in this country and I, and I hate, I hate that MLS has a complete chokehold on top flight soccer when it should be U S soccer, right? It should be the Federation that sanctions all this stuff. And the, and if I like, if I had a magic wand and I was at the Federation, like there would be crazy sanctions. I think it's good that they said, no, you're not getting back in. We're done. Like you're like, but there should be, sanctions regarding the u.s men's national team as far as i'm concerned on players not getting called in for the next year um like the the federation has got to like rein mls in and stop giving them so much leeway and leniency when they when they fall out of line like this because they like they're just giving over authority to the league and the league gets to run the sport in the country and that's just it's not right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, because ultimately, I think, I think if you look at like a, this is going in like a live golf PGA tour situation, right, mm-hmm. where all these guys left, right, because it's a better opportunity, and yeah. you know they threw the book at it, right. It's probably right. what needed to be done. Now, I don't want them. I don't want the federation to cave in the same way that the PGA ultimately did, mm-hmm. right. Like ultimately, you have to be able to just say, like I said. Um, you if the ML, if the MLS does that, then the federation needs to just ban all MLS players from participating in in national in federation yeah. related yeah. things, like you're saying. And I think that that draws a line in the sand that that makes it clear who's in charge. Now, yeah. what I do I do wonder what is what is U.S. Soccer's jurisdiction over the league, if any. I mean, they they are the the governing body of the sport here in the country, right? Like, but to what extent they, do they have? Does Major League Soccer, as a private entity, have to listen? I mean, they they don't have to be sanctioned. <laughs> um, but here's here's the dirty truth about it: is who runs U.S. Soccer? No, I mean it's just technically who, no, the who runs MLS the MLS owners do right? Yeah, because the MLS owners own the league. So little little lesson here the mls owners own shares of the league they do not own their franchises they operate their franchises they're they're technically called owner operators right so they own shares of the league and they own shares of some the big devil that everybody knows right and some controls all all the marketing for the sport here in the country right and for a long time they control and i i think i don't know if they still have the rights to L tree in the country or not? 
No, so remember some some, remember. some runs some doesn't run US soccer anymore. Some runs MLS and Mexico and Mexican soccer mm. and the L3. Okay. So technically yeah, so, the U, US soccer broke away. Yeah. And maybe I, where this now, is some a bit of a riff, yeah, they, right? Um but I mean even even beyond that like you don't even need that official relationship. Just look at the revolving door between the two, right? And people love to talk about this when it comes to Congress and major corporations in the U.S. People love, especially especially the MLS demographic, right? They love to talk about the revolving door between Congress and corporate America. And as well, they should talk about these things. But talk about it with MLS and U.S. soccer and guess what? they're going to fight tooth and nail against you. <laughs> like the same principles are being violated. It's the, it's the same kind of uh, corruption, but it's their league. It's their league. So you can't, they, they'll, they'll go bonkers. They won't let you have that argument. Um, so uh, for me, us soccer needs to, like they should still, they need to hold the line. MLS should not be allowed to participate at all. They need to come up with more and creative ways to take power back from MLS as a result of this. And again, I would be 100% fine with them saying no MLS call-ups to the U.S. men's national team for a year. Is that going to happen? There's no way. There's no way. It'll never happen. But that's the kind, like, that's the kind of action that I want from a federation uh, that's going to show some backbone. And actually protect the the merit of the game here uh, in the U.S. Yeah, I don't can't disagree with you there. You know, it's just it's unfortunate, right? Because again, the 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 oldest serving soccer tournament in in the in the country, and then the disrespect that's thrown its way again. Yeah, it's just yeah. It like you're saying it the you know it's hard to wax. We understand there's challenges and there's issues with with how it's run and the, the, and their ability to make money. But again, I think that's the issue, right? It's like the question is what's the point of the open cup is the point of the open cup for major league soccer to make more money. Right. I think the beauty of, yep. for example, the FA cup is that, you, you know, when, when Premier League Cubs play the smaller teams, I think they donate most of the time they're donating all the gate to the smaller yeah. club. Right. And some of these different things to ensure that, like I said, because you're, you're ensuring that the pyramid stays alive. Yeah. Um, well, know. and even even beyond that, like, I think it shows like a shared dedication to the game itself, right? When Don Garber talks about the U.S. Open Cup, what does he talk about? What's the quote? He's like, our teams can't be going to, what did he say, to play in empty stadiums in Tennessee or something like that, right? And it's like, all he sees is the TV product. That man does not care about the sport itself. He doesn't care about the fact that, I don't know, FC Dallas is going to play against El Paso Locomotive or whatever. Like, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about the actual game inside the lines. All he cares about is the TV product and the dollars. And again, to be fair, you have to, at some point, be concerned about the dollars to keep the lights on. But you don't even really need the lights if you play in the daytime, right? The sport itself is bigger than that. You don't even need lines. Kids in Brazil play with trash cans, right? Kids in your town do the same thing. They go out in the street with a ball. 
and they don't need it. So it's it like to me, there's there's like the sport itself is being sacrificed on this altar of more money for the owner operators of MLS. And that's where I draw the line because I don't see very many people involved with the league that actually care about the sport itself and like the pure aspects of the sport. But anyway. I mean, again, and, and the, the unfortunate thing is it continues to filter across the world, right? Like the Super League is is brought about by, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of more, most of them are, are, are intrigued by the thought of what we do here in the States with, with yeah. our, our franchise system and those types of things. Because again, there's no downside, right? Like you, you just pump, it's a money printer, right? And yeah. the question just becomes like, what, what's the point of all of these things, if not to serve the sport itself? Yeah. Everybody, everybody can talk about the Glazers and what they've done, right? Just taking out a massive amount of debt on the, on Man United, right? And taking all that money and run away with it. And eventually they're going to sell it and all of its, all of its assets. Right. And they're going to, they're, they will have lifted a ton of money after leveraging the brand itself to go secure more debt. And they just ran off with the money that they borrowed. Right. And then they saw off the club and it's like, oh, well now we made out like bandits. Like everybody can talk about that. Everybody sees that for what it is. But as soon as Don Garber does something similar, it's like, nope, got to protect uncle Don. Can't, you know, we can't talk about the league. We're just so happy to have 26 years of pro soccer in America. Right. And it's just like, no questions asked. So that's what bugs me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, man, I like, I, and this, the, this the, the other part of that is, is I don't, could... I don't know what to do about it is the thing. No, I'm just saying this, 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 yeah. What, what can you though? Right. And, you know, I think that's where the conversation about just doing what we can on a at the grassroots level and and figuring your things out and you know that's that's as that's really what the yeah. average person can do, right? And also as a as a as a yeah. fan, right? Just demand more, demand from more from your club. You know, you we have the power of the purse, and that's kind of where things go. Um, but again, the crazy thing about Major League Soccer is that to a certain degree, that only works so much unless it becomes league-wide right so i think you see the at least the reaction with the reaction to the open cup move um did have you know did demand the response because it can't it wasn't just a single fan base protesting against their club that's not spending or whatever it may be or making you know moves that they didn't like no i mean you had hercules gomez and sebi salazar just going nuts on it right so yeah you know but then again you only have such there's when there's only so many brave voices, yeah. like you're saying, yeah. it, 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 it's definitely one of those things where it takes, it takes a combined effort across the lead to ensure, you know, that, that to protect the sanctity of what it, what it really yep. is. Speaking of brave voices, let's go on a, on a quick detour with Lindsay Horan. Did you see what she said Yeah, <laughs> about American fans and, and, and the, the American press and Julie Foudy specifically? <laughs> That they just I don't mean, know the game. Back. Yeah, and and I mean, going after somebody like I, I thought that was so interesting. I don't like Julie Foudy is whatever most commentators I think are whatever, but um, I thought it was so interesting that she named somebody, and 
that she was willing to like go that hard in the paint over this. Well, and again, um, but I think she's at, at this point, right? She's the only one with enough profile, enough cachet to really yeah. do it, right? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, I think if it, if it's a different voice, if it's a different person, the unfortunate thing is that person just gets immediately blackballed, right? Yeah. It was probably well, already, she probably already did enough to make people mad by playing the majority of her career in Europe. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I'm sure that wasn't, didn't sit well. You know, who was it? The previous coach to Andonovsky that would, that basically were required people to play in NWSL. Yeah. Right. That was like just kind of making everyone play in NWSL prior to that, that, yeah. their, that World Cup run. Um, you know, so, but now it's hard, it's hard to argue that NWSL is the best women's soccer in the world. Yeah. Right. Like, no. Barcelona, you know, like you said, there were the the unfortunate thing is that I think the U.S. the U.S. had a distinct advantage over the rest of the world in in the women's soccer space, and sat yeah, everybody on the knows world. it was Title Nine. Everybody knows, yeah, but you can't you can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's Title I mean, Nine. It, you know, it, but again, and that's a I good mean, thing. The U.S. was ahead of everybody on that. Like it's a good yeah. thing. Celebrate it. But sat on their laurels to a certain degree, and instead yeah. of continuing to develop in the way that it probably needed to, if you don't you know, fix the football, this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man. Anyway, I mean, again, okay. Continues to come back to the issues with the incestuous yeah. relationships between the federation and the leagues. And the leagues, yeah. Um, I do think uh, one one quick comment on that again. You so what what made me think of that is you talked about like the brave voices like there are only a few brave voices, that's it, and it's not Alexi Lawless, it's not Stu Holden, right? Um, Taylor Twelman every once in a while will like get out and say something bold. I think you can trust Herc and Sebi right to to speak their minds. Um, you can agree or disagree with them, but they're they're at least going to give you what they actually think. They're not beholden to anybody, right? Um, I guess it's a clever pun. <laughs> Stu Beholden. <laughs> Who often toes um, the line of the league, unfortunately. Yeah, that is while while owning a team that benefits from an open system in Spain or Portugal. Where's his team at? I can't remember. Um so there are there are brave voices out there. You're not gonna find them on extra time. You're not and I don't consider us brave because we don't have a high enough profile to <laughs> to make any real waves. <laughs> right. But um like there are brave voices. Well, I mean, you again, find them it's not really brave if, if we're talking to. to just each other, right? Yeah, that's what that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So, anyway, okay. Moving on from there, so. let's get into the LAFC roster moves. Um, we have several people who have left LAFC for greener pastures uh, all over the place. Um. I guess we start from the back. We have Maxime, Maxime Kerpo, who uh, his option was not renewed. He went to Portland. Uh, John McCarthy, whose option was not renewed, went to Galaxy. Shame on him. Uh, Diego Palacios moved to Brazil. Right? Corinthians in Brazil. Is that right? Kellen Acosta yeah. has not signed anywhere, but he is not going to be back with the club, as reported by JT. Um, Carlos Vela is still around we don't know what's going to happen with him they're still trying to sign him uh we have Stipe Buke who went on loan Mario Gonzalez who went on loan Josh am I missing anybody I feel like I got Achillini retired 
So yeah, I think the only one um, that you forgot there was uh, Krostev, his oh, long right. terminated. So, yeah. you know, again, you know, we can start from the top and kind of go through each one and kind of like our reaction to it. I mean, the first one you mentioned was Max, right? That's probably yeah. for me of all the departures, the hardest one to swallow, right? I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand ultimately, but it's just like you, you have such an as such an emotional connection to a guy that seemed to always, you know, he's a guy that never sold you short of effort or passion, um, you know, and then it then it ends in that way. But I get it, right? Like he, you know, he he had a number, and the 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 front, and this is probably where our frustrations with the the way that the league works um you know where if he's it in an open system we just resign him all together in an open cap you just re- bring yeah. him back in this situation you got to let a club legend walk unfortunately so yeah again, we'll always yeah. be a legend um you know i can wish that guy the best moving forward yeah so i mean him him leaving is is tough i i liked his game i thought he was a he was a above average mls keeper um that did a lot for you uh, in the 18, two, two years, I guess, 18 months that he was, that he actually played for you. Um, obviously him destroying his leg in service to winning an MLS cup is incredible. John McCarthy leaving, uh, especially for galaxy is tough, but you have to understand that like, he's not, He's not the guy you want starting for you. For he sure. Had an I mean, incredible. I'm, go ahead. Yeah, it's always going to be hard to see anyone go to the galaxy. The yeah. flip side of this is: does he have does he have kids? I don't know if he does or not. I mean, if he does, then it makes it a little bit easier for me to swallow in that sense, even though it is to the galaxy, because yeah. right, uprooting your family is always going to be a difficult move, right? And mm-hmm. if you have an opportunity to not do that while still making money playing a game you probably yeah. jump at that opportunity regardless yeah. of what it means to the fans so i if if the if he does and it was a family decision i get it um you know i'll probably you know like i said i'll clap and then boo for him all at the same time you know on, yeah. upon return john mccarthy had an incredible mls cup performance an incredible moment like it's the kind of stuff that Hollywood scripts just, that's it. That's what they're made of, right? By the same token, he was not that great week in and week out as a starting goalkeeper option. And that sucks, but it's the way it is. the way it is. LAFC needed something more, right? They had it in Max Grippo. He was leaving. Um, in the end, you have with, you end up with Hugo, Hugo Lloris, right? Fine, whatever. Um, I think the destination is what makes it hardest for McCarthy. He's, like you said, he's going to the Galaxy. And by the same token, I'm looking forward to crossing the ball on John McCarthy and waiting for him to come out at an inopportune time and slot it past him. <laughs> like, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Diego Palacios leaving is a huge loss. I, I don't think that's lost on anybody. Uh, the impact that he had on this team, both in the defensive and attacking phases of the game. Um, that's a, that's a big, big loss, but it's also one of those that like the writing was on the wall. 
he had opportunities in Europe when he first came to LAFC and he came here and they never moved him. And that's fine. Like I enjoyed watching him <laughs> the entire time. Uh, but ultimately he's, he's going to go where he feels like he's going to have the best opportunity to grow his career. And I don't think LAFC were interested in moving him from here. Like they found some, they found a diamond in the rough and they kept it. Yeah. And I think to a certain degree, right. It's, it's kind of nice not to be known as the stepping stone club always. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah, like we, you know, we talked about before when you bring in these young guys, the intent is to move the, develop them and move them on and bring in a big chunk of change and so on and so forth, you know, cause it brings in Yam or Tam or whatever the heck, you know, whatever it is. Now there's an, there is a financial upside to moving them, but there is a, there is a, there is a cap on that, I believe, right? In terms of total amount that you can actually convert. Yeah, you can only convert so much to MLS funny money. Right. So ultimately, when it comes to the way that the league operates, it doesn't matter all that much in terms of how much they sell them for. So I'd almost rather just ensure that they get their money, the team, the club and the fans get their money's worth. And then, you know, however they want to move on, they let them move on. Right. It's yeah. like you see it at, at, you know, it's a big club mentality, right? You're not, you're not, your success isn't beholden on the selling of a player for Right. A, you're going to come here and it's not just about development. It's about winning some things and using that as a platform. I mean, I don't, I don't want to seem absurd. I realize how absurd this seems, but Ajax, right? You go to Ajax, you're going to play in the Champions League. You're not going to win the Champions League. You're going to run through the, the Eredivisie, right? And then you're going to get a, a move to a higher profile Champions League team, right? But the point is to win and compete while you're there, not just, you know, grind it out in the English Championship until some Premier League comes calling. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that, I guess you can go to Brighton, right? Like if it's truly yeah. like a development and get sold for a lot of money, that's the kind of place you end up yeah. in, right? Yeah. Um, again, I think, like I said, if if the goal is to be something closer to to that, Ajax, Dortmund and the Bundesliga is a little bit hard because, you know, they don't they haven't won. Yeah, Benfica a is a great club in that yeah. same in that same mold, right? So your goal is yeah. to be that version in MLS, right? If if anything, mm-hmm. right, is to con- compete every year. You know, you learn a winning mentality as opposed to just individual development, and then you kind of and you move on in that, yeah. in that yeah. fashion. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough, you know, because Cheeky was that good. I mean the up the one quote unquote upside is that you're not going to be penalized nearly as much as you were this past year because that man <laughs> had it out for pro referees. A lot, a lot of yellow cards for dissent with Cheeky. Yeah. Uh, moving forward in the formation, Kellen Acosta and Philip Krostev. Um, Kellen Acosta, it's an odd one. I know. I think he always had his set sight on Europe, his sight set on Europe, excuse me. He might still, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't, nothing's been announced, so he might still end up there with like a lower division team or something. I, I don't know. I hope that moment hasn't completely passed him by. I like his game, but I mean, he's 28, 29 now. So I think is I think that window may have closed for him. Yeah, Philip I mean, Krasta, he's, a, go ahead. he's a roster, he's a roster casualty, right? Another yeah. one. Right. Yeah. If if you're at if you're in a non capped league, he's a guy that sits there and plays when you need him to and those types of things and you know, he's important. You know, he becomes 
a James Milner type, you know, one of those yeah. types of guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's great for the club um, in whatever role you need him to be there. Um, but again, he, for for the way that the league operates, unfortunately, he's a guy that makes too that makes far too much to not be able to try and replace him with yeah. someone at a cheaper cost. You know that that mm-hmm. can give you that has more potential, if you will. Yeah. Speaking of people who had an outsized value or cost too much, Philip Krostev, his loan is terminated. Uh, I know he had a, a handful of goals, but I think his purchase option was something like nine million. Josh, like I saw nothing out of him that warranted even half that, not even a third. Um, he's a fine enough player, but he's not. He's not a game changer for you. So. The fact, like the idea that you're going to invest any money on him, is just silly. So they, yeah. I think if you're telling me move. he's a he's a guy that you brought in for one and a half and then sold for nine, and you're yeah. going to take time to develop him, awesome. You know, or whatever money, same price at <laughs> he's which not you a nine paid, million dollar player. <laughs> yeah, or same price at which you paid for like a Oliver Christian Oliveira. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, right. okay, I get it. You know, but for what he brought, right. I'm not paying. I'm not going to pay nine million for him. Like no. Brian Rodriguez brought more than you know. Yeah. Easily in his yeah. time here, brought more. You know, showed mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Okay, so that's the midfield. Uh, Mario Gonzalez, who came in, you know, I think we tried to stay as positive as, as we could for as long as possible. Uh, just a lack of lack of production. Chicho Strikers. died for nothing. They got to score. Chicho died for nothing. He died for nothing, Josh. Yeah. Drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, again, if, if we're going to point to any actual disappointment and failure, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we went we went extensively into the, all that last season about how you probably could have kept him and you may have had to sacrifice somebody here or there, but you didn't need to pay Aaron Long a million dollars to ride the bench behind Giorgio Chiellini for all that time or to, for to have him be a third center back against Leon in the CCL final. Right? <laughs> like could have found some more money somewhere, but I mean ultimately they, you know, got 6 million for him from where did he go? Pachuca for 6 months before right back to RSL. So, um anyway, Carlos Vela still undecided. Um, Feels like it's uh, waiting for the dust to settle to see how much they have left to give him. Yeah, yeah, I think right? so. And yeah. you know, if you can get him on, like, and I think this is this was a question that was asked, and we can probably answer this one later. Like, what what yeah. is Vela's? What is he actually worth in this conversation? Is it Max Tam? Is it somewhere there? Um, I think. I th- here's the thing, Carlos Vela deserves to be the. I, I like what he deserves. I want him as an LAFC fan to retire an LAFC player and yeah. ride off into the sunset, whatever in whatever way that needs to happen. Right. Um, obviously, given given what your ambitions are, you can't you can't you don't want to have to make sacrifices in other places to make that happen. Right, mm-hmm. and so obviously you the goal is to hopefully make him fit into the plan in whatever way that is, and it seems like that's the case, um, and then you go from there. Ideally, yeah. if you're going to tell me he signs at one point five, so under the one point six, you know, and he's the third senior DP 
right? That's yeah. like or the cheap DP that you can basically move down whatever you need to to open the spot up. Yeah. I'm good with it. Give him whatever, you know, give him all that you have left, you know, whatever spot that that means and then you kind of go from there, but not at the cost of but hopefully not at the cost of production and and potential. Yeah. So here's here's I again, this is one of those things that I'm going to start drawing a harder line on. Um I am not interested in salary cap discussions or like like machinations, right? I don't care. I saw like Andrew Visnovsky tweeted something about how everybody should have a young DP, like three young DPs or something. Um, So that way you could buy them down because their cap hit is less and you can get 1.6 more. Like geeking out on that stuff to me is kind of gross. And like it, it just leans way too hard into the lane of Matt Turner keeps his legs close together. So he's a, he's an elite shot stopper. Right. And now Matt Turner is out at Nottingham Forest. Right. So like, uh, not that I, I, I love Turner's story. Love it. And I, I, I think he's a, he's a strong keeper. But like all these puff pieces that American writers, going back to the Lindsay Horan thing, love to write about American players or whoever. And they, they love, they, man, they will find whatever stat they have to to prop them up. Or they'll find whatever sort of like roster rule or something to to show why somebody's a genius or not a like ge- I just I can't get into that stuff anymore. So um, I don't care what they pay Carlos. Um, I would like to see him here again. I don't want. I don't think he merits a DP tag. If that allows you to pay him what he wants, and you're not going to sign another DP, then fine. LFC never has never had three DPs all going at once anyway. So what do I care? Right. Then it's just magic Johnson's money that they're paying him. Right. And not some MLS funny money that's designated for, him. but anyway, I would like to see him back. I don't know what his role is to be totally honest. Maybe he's more healthy this year. I don't know if there was a question about his health last year, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he's still got something left in the tank. That's the hope, right? Is that he's still got something that he can give you. Yeah. I just like, is he a guy that can do it for, you know, from, is he, he's a guy that can be great in moments, right? The question yeah. I think at this point is whether or not he can do it for 90 minutes. And I think that the question was answered last year. And so I think, like I said, if you're able to bring him back for moments, right? Like he'll, he's yeah. still the guy that's going to hit a pass that no one else can hit. He's going to be mm-hmm. able to hit a guy, you know, hit a free kick that no one else can hit. You know, he's still, you know, has that in him. Um, you know, the question just again, what, what is what's the price tag that you put on that? Yeah. So, all right. So let's go with the signings we know of. We got Hugo Lloris, right? I think that's a fine goalkeeping signing. Uh, at the I price know tag, old. especially. Right? Because yeah, they, at, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what five hundred k or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, smart guy. You bring yeah. in a French contingent to hopefully support Denny Buanga and keep him there. <laughs> yeah. In like, because it's not just him, right? They added. No, it's ju- it is just Loris at this point, right? That's French, mm-hmm. and then potentially yeah. our my boy Divacari. If if there's any truth to yeah, that, yeah, we'll one. get in. We'll get into the rumors for sure. I do think it's odd, Josh, that LAFC cannot nail down a goalkeeper. It is odd to me, 
And maybe this is one of those areas where it's like, this is, this is always going to be who they are as long as JT's in charge. Cause he sees it as, you know, like the inefficient spot in the market is to, is to keep turning goalkeepers and not pay them too much. I'm fine with that. If that's the decision, fine. But it is a little bit weird <laughs> that like, I mean, how many goalkeepers have we gone through over the years? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the goal, if you have a goalkeeper that can make the max salary budget and no more than that, and then you yeah, can keep them the around 600 for forever. 600 something, 640 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I think the issue that runs into is, and kind of what you'd end up with max, right, is when it starts teetering into that TAM, that TAM region, yeah. it, again, it, it is not in terms of the overall roster ability is less than ideal. Yeah, and I mean, you see what you get when you pay all that money to Max, right? And then it's McCarthy that starts, right? It's not good enough, yeah? So, you know, it's, it's again, one of those weird roster things. So, Larice is in, right? Next, you have Omar Campos, who came in as the left back. This is somebody that I'm excited about. I think him in the final third is going to be very tantalizing. I don't watch enough Santos to know about his defensive abilities, but um, I think it, I think it's a great, like the fact that they could just bring in like a starting Liga Mekis left back immediately after shipping Palacios out is amazing. Yeah. The question I, you know, like I, I do wonder like, are they still going to roll with this three, three fullback thing and then run, oh, you run know them it. ragged? But, you know, it. you know, I guess you technically still have, you know, uh, some like nine, what, Segura and or Murillo that you run out there at some point if need be, or you don't yeah, have to I mean, We've been talking about right that, back. but we haven't seen that in years. I don't think we've ever seen that under Chirundolo, have we? That was always a Bob thing, right? Where he'd have a center Acosta. back go out. Yeah, not a center back for sure. I think Acosta, uh, a little bit last got, year. Yeah, played right back at it earlier in the year when, yeah. um, I think it was Plencia was out, and then, and then uh, Hollingshead like, broke his, his rib or whatever. Or it was like no, remember he like took like he looked like he like I think he like, broke a rib or something. Remember he oh, couldn't like okay. just okay. like would look yeah. gassed all the time and just didn't have much much left. You know, and then yeah. eventually came back and played really well. But up until that point, you know, like we could tell he was struggling um, fitness wise. Yeah. All right. So moving into the midfield. I guess this is where it gets a bit murky with the next two signings. Um, you have David Martinez, who's a 17-year-old Venezuelan kid who within an hour of signing had the ridiculous back heel assist in like a U23 match against Brazil. <laughs> uh, kid looks electric from what you can find on the internet. Uh, just a like an absolutely sweet left-footed kid that is just going to terrorize goalkeepers if he can do it at the senior level and not just on the youth level. I think that's the big caveat here is like those highlights that you're seeing of him just clowning everybody are against kids. Now he's a kid also, so sky's the limit, but you're not talking about doing it in a truly professional setting yet. Uh, but he looks like a really, really fun player and somebody that you definitely want involved. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder where he ends up. What's his best position? I think, look, you know, like initially I had heard he was a 10, but a lot of times those 10s are wingers. Um, yeah. So I, I do. Yeah, believe... I mean, if he's like a half space kind of guy, I know he started 
as a, basically a wide midfielder or winger in a four, two, three, one against in that, you know, against Brazil in that game. Um, so he's probably one of those half space guys, similar to Carlos. And maybe that's, maybe that's what they're looking at. What that does for Oliveira. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, my instinct with these kind of guys is to play them in the midfield out of that four, three, three and see where it gets you and then move into the wing later. But boy, nobody cares. <laughs> so, and nor should they, <laughs> you know, and then hopefully, uh, like I said, it, it, in all honesty, it's probably best to bring him along slowly and give him minutes. Yes. You know, let, yes. let Oliveira run out there and burn himself out doing his thing. And then you have, you know, you have them to come off the bench and, and, and play freely. Right. I mean, so we, yeah. we saw growth from our dads when he was given the opportunity to do that in, in, in spurts and, you know, you can you yeah. hope that you can continue with that. And Oliveira, to be fair, started that way, right? And then ended up looking great, but then it was all said and done. So Yeah, yeah. I think I and I mean maybe it's something similar to Bogush where nobody knows when he shows up. He looks like a midfielder to us. Most everybody does. Like we just we're so dedicated to having attacking players in the midfield at this point that like that's how I see everything with LAFC. Um but I do wonder if that'll be the case if like he kind of plays in both spots for a while, just filling in where as a sub where he has to. And then eventually it's like, okay, Bogus is a midfielder. Put him in the half space on the left side of the field and let him cook. Um, maybe it'll be like that for Martinez on the other side. The last one is Tomas Angel from Colombia. So another Colombian signing. Um, seems to never go wrong for LAFC when they make a Colombian side, a signing. Uh, I think he's 20, right? And plays center forward. So... What this means for the potential Origi signing, I don't know. You still got Ordaz. Um, looks like a decent enough player. Uh, none of these guys are DPs, by the way. So, and I think... Well, we do have three U22 signings now. Yeah. Right, Oliveira yeah. or two. I don't know. I th- I, I think... Martinez for, and Oliveira for sure are U22s. And yeah. I don't remember. I think, I think Angel was not. Not. He's a regular, regular signing. And I don't know if Bogus still is or not, but. Bogus never was. It was oh, Stipe. He never was. Okay. Yeah, it was Stipe oh, that oh, was right, the, right. Okay. the one. And then. So, yeah. So, yeah. I you, think I remember seeing that maybe Compost was too. Maybe that's the anyway. third one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, they're filling up the attack and you still have major rumors out there about, I mean, from big sources, right? Where you have, uh, I think even Fab Romano tweeted about Origi, right? Do I have that right? Coming uh, to LAFC, I'm pretty sure it was Fab. Um, whether or not that's still a go, I think his loan at Nottingham was terminated already. So that might still be in the works. Um I don't think it's a bad signing. I think I think it's it's a fine flyer to take. I doubt he's a DP at this point, given the fact that like they've gone out and made all these other signings. Maybe he is a DP. I don't know. And they're. And I mean, they're the just... reported fee would make. I think it was like five million. So, okay. So when it's all said be. and done, it just depends on obviously yeah. how how the total contract would be amortized and all that stuff like that. So, yeah. And I and I'm good with it. Like we've seen plenty of strikers come from Europe who weren't the most prolific scorers come and have success. I mean, Danny Bufanga is the number one. Is the prime yeah, case. Yeah. Carlos Vela, another one, right? It's like yeah. you you get him at the right time in their career where they still have enough left in the tank physically, and and see what you can get, right? Yeah, and he's only 29. So uh, the other one, and 
probably the one everybody's most excited about is Atuesta, right? Uh, Which I think has been conf- the- that one was. I mean, I know the- that was Tom Bogert. Yes, um, that that was talking about them finalizing that deal loan with an option to buy. Uh, I love this move. I didn't like when he left. I didn't like the destination for him. I thought, it, like, I don't think the Brazilian league is smaller than MLS by any chance, by any stretch of the imagination. I wanted to see LAFC move a player of his caliber to Europe. And again, that's still something that they can't seem to do. Um, and maybe they never will. Maybe, maybe that's just too big of a step. But, um, I love him coming back. I don't know where he fits into the midfield, but um, Ilya is not getting any younger. Now, what I do remember about Atuesta was that he played a lot of the eight in his first year with LAFC because I think Failhopper was still around um, playing the six, and I don't think he was ever as effective there or when he'd spot fill there like during the 2019 season. I don't. I just don't think he's an eight. I think he's a, a pure six. Um so how that works with him and Ilya, I don't know, but we can find out later. Yeah, I, I, I think the the time when he was playing the eight in that in that last season, again, you're playing with a team that didn't see fully feel like it knew how to how to play. You know, like I don't think they had an identity quite yet, right? I think that this team may actually feel a little bit better if he's the guy that. Is you know pinging progressive passes from from deeper. Um, the question just becomes yeah. what what does the structure look like? Um, you know, obviously, yep. given what could be what's being asked of him, um, you know, if he's the guy that's supposed to hit that that pass instead of prior, you know, instead of uh, Sifu this last year, you know, at times or even even Acosta, um, you know, I do like Atwesta better in that sense. So. Again, it, yeah, it, it's yeah, one of those definitely. ones where it's like I'm interested to see what they'll what they'll decide to do with it, and it'll, I think it'll be definitely be a tactical thing that we'll have to discuss moving forward because I think it's it'll be he'll he'll play a role. Just depends on what what that looks like. I do wonder yeah, what yeah. he looks like after because he did get hurt right um, mm-hmm. this past year. So what's his fitness level look like? What do all those? Th- how does he ultimately fit in? You know, but. Yeah, it's exciting nonetheless because again, like you're saying, it was he's the one that you know you wish would have been able to stay, and I think they did try to keep him on a DP at some point. Probably, to him. yeah, yep. All right, um, I think those are all the rumors. Um, I know we have a handful of questions, and we're coming up on an hour already, so <laughs> we should probably get into these, huh? Let's do it. Uh, so first one is from our friends at Dolly Black and Gold. Glad to see you back. Is VelaWorks ma- worth the max TAM for you? We kind of answered that. Are you a yes or a no on that? You were a yes. Yeah. I mean, and I was, I do not want to engage on the <laughs> actual machinations. Yeah. I mean, I want to see him back, you know, like I said, as as long as it's not at the at the cost of of the your flexibility and your ability to do something bigger. Yeah, right. Right. As long as as long as you're not keeping uh a even a Rigi, as long as you're not keeping a Rigi off the off the roster because Vela's here taking up a DP spot or whatever, then fine, good, sign him back. I'd like to I'd like to keep him. Four out of five new signings are 21 or 
or less isn't that very risky. I mean, it's definitely a move away from what we saw where when they brought in all the MLS vets and got you a cup. It's kind of back to 2020 or 2019. When 2019, they signed. 2020. However, I will say, I think you have a lot more established MLS guys around than you did back then. Yes, yes. Right? So I think that's different. And then you still have a Chiellini on the coaching staff, which I think is an underrated, one of the more underrated signings. Um, yeah. You know, that were yeah. in the long run. Um, so, oh, did you mention in our in our incoming, I guess technically not really incoming, but uh, Lorenzo being promoted to the first team? No, I didn't. So that was another one, obviously, to add to the center back depth. Yeah, so, so everyone seems former to Former be... Juventus player, right? Mm-hmm. Youth player and now sticking around. Yeah, it seems to be um, if he's if he's being mentored by the great one, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm, I'm excited in. to see what he can bring to the table, and then if he he's going to be better know. than Aaron Long, is, <laughs> is what I can say about that. Yeah. Uh, the rumored return of Atuesta. What is your opinion? I, I mean, I think we just kind of covered it, but I mean, I I love it. I I think this gets us one step closer to a midfield that I think actually works as a midfield should. Now, that's one man's opinion on how a midfield should work. I am fairly certain that I do not share the same opinion or that uh, Steve Trundolo shares the same opinion as me. Like he uses midfield differently. That's fine. He gets paid the money to do it. Not me. Yeah. Josh. Um, I think this kind of plays to like, it, it, it reduces your, your risk assessment for, for the, bringing in the young guys again, right? Because if, if another, if you're bringing in an Atuesta who can continue to be, who's another MLS ready play, you know, he's been in, I mean, he's a, been in the league, understands the league, understands the dynamics, the travel, all the things that come with it. You know, I think that was the thing before was that when you go back to 2019, I think everyone on the roster was affected by by the downsides of the league. And you didn't have guys that were yeah. prepared for what it took to get through a long season mm-hmm. versus you know, this this coming year, like you said, you maintain. I think Ilya is still is the linchpin. Yeah. Right there, right? Because a guy like that is, you know, is truly understanding of what it takes. And you again, you have the right people in place, whether it be him or Hollingshead, you know, or even Aaron Long to a certain degree. You know, again, they're gonna they're going to understand what it means to be an MLS lifer and and what yeah. and what that looks like. So again, I think that's that's probably the difference between 20 the 2019 2020 teams where you were heavy on on heavy on potential right and yeah and it didn't quite work the way you wanted i mean to be fair they hit on so let's see they signed rodriguez janela palacios and sifu i feel like there's a fifth one all around the same time i mean janela is the only one that didn't of those of those yeah. four alone, right? Like I mean Rodriguez Sifu obviously didn't hit the the highs, Pol- but you right. but you won a championship with Sifu and Palacios. Yeah. So I mean those two were like solid contributors for years, right? Mm-hmm. And Rodriguez was on the field. He he didn't he didn't he wasn't what you wanted him to be, but he didn't actively hurt the team, right? Yeah. And Janela just it, it didn't work out. So um I mean you hit three or four, right? two in a big way. So if you hit four or five this time or three or five and two hit in a big way, I think it's probably worth it. So 
Next one is from Lionel Hutz. Really interested in your take on Origi, given that the fan base seems skeptical of his value. I'll let you step in on this one, Mr. Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, so when he when Klopp first came to Liverpool, right, he was a guy that had all the potential in the world, but, you know, was hampered for various reasons. I think that first year he came, that, that Klopp came in, like Origi was his out-and-out out starter at times because he's a mm. guy that is, you know, who can finish and whatnot. By the time he left, ended his career in Liverpool, he was a club legend for moments, right? So he's mm-hmm. a guy that can provide you those moments, right? Scoring a, you know, the the quick, the quick, the quick corner against Barcelona to send, yeah. to, to complete, you know, to really cap off the Liverpool comeback. Um, and then, you know, beats Everton at the death, right? Those two things alone, mm-hmm. like he's won a Champions League, he's been there, he's done that. Um, I think I do wonder, you know, like I said, I think he may fall into that same category of some of these other guys, whether it be a Buanga or even a Christian Benteke, right? Who's been fine yeah. in MLS. And to be fair, you know, like it's been a while since we've gotten more than fine from our, from our, D, from a DP position, yep. right? Usually yeah. it's like we hit on, we have one DP producing and then you have overproduction from your, from your your Tam and non Tam and yes, you know Tam yes. and under players, right? So I think I think that's the one thing that concerns me about it is like if you're going to splash DP money, make sure it's certain. And I think there are some questions about Origi, but like you said, I, there's there are examples of somebody about his level that have had success in MLS, and LFC is going to create plenty of chances for him. Yeah, and if and if the if the contract is amortized. And you're only paying him, you know, one to two million, you know, somewhere in that one to three million, you know, like I said, is he a guy that you should be paying Vela original money? Like right. six, no. seven million a year? Absolutely not. Yeah. Is he a Chicharito money? No. Right. But if you're going to tell me he's going to make. Chicharito wasn't Chicharito money. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to tell me you're going to pay him sub three million dollars, right? Ideally somewhere, you know, around the two, two million dollar range. Yeah, pay him the contract you should have paid Chicho. Yeah, and I'm just good. about. And I think I think you're in a good place. <laughs> and I don't. I I honestly don't know if he would. Dem- I'm not sure what his demand would be. Right. Right. Um. You know the I the what he's on right now. Yeah. The only other person that I would rather. I mean, it's nice to see it that incoming. You know, if you had told me that Roberto Firmino was coming in there, then I'd probably be even more excited about it. But Arigi, again, Arigi's he's a class player. You know, he's all the potential in the world just a matter of again what what is his true level and i think he's around that level that can dominate major league soccer yeah. <laughs> at in his prime yeah yeah hasn't really been hurt mm. either right he's not a guy that has a long history injury right right i'm not seeing his salary details here okay well let's see um Let's see what this next question is. The next one is from at Yoyo Torre 66. You guys think Vela is coming back? If no, will it hurt the team? Will LAFC fill Vela's DP slot this window or in the summer? Uh, again, I, I don't know. I I, I want to see him back in some form or fashion. Um, I don't know that it hurts the team if he doesn't come back. It hurts emotionally. But with Christian Oliveira there and 
I think maybe maybe that's what the Origi move is is hinging on. Is Vela going to sign or not? Right? Because now you need another forward involved. And so I, I I don't know. I I really don't know. But I would think though that it would be the other way around, right? It's like if if Origi comes in, then then you can make a decision. Then you are clear on a decision. I mean, what if you're saying Vela doesn't have it on the wing anymore though, and he has to play central? Yeah, but then what if did that's he get- the decision? Vela's got to go. Yeah, because his move his centrally, it's not quite. It's not the same. What you want either, right? Like yeah, so. You know, because ideally, like you said, you my ideal situation for Carlos Vela is he comes in as a you know and as a thirty minute guy on the right wing and just can either yeah. just pump in pass yeah. after pass, um, you know, and then you let go from there because you you can kind of hide him a little bit and just let him do his thing because yeah. whether it's as a passer and or as a guy that can take free kicks, you know, he's going to be yeah, valuable. You bring him in as like a sixth attacker when you're desperate for a goal, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I whether or not they'll fill that empty DP slot, I, I guess as good as mine at this point. Like I, I'm not convinced that LAFC is concerned about having three DPs at a time. I don't think it's ever been something that they've like concerned themselves about. Yeah, I mean, again, they they're a team, they're a club that never moves unless it makes sense. That's it. That's it. They're not just going to splash money on somebody because they have an open spot. That's the galaxy way. And LAFC have their, like, you know, they, they talk about uh, Tomas Angel, right? The where it's like, speaking of which, we're just going to call him Tommy Angel, <laughs> right? Because they were calling him Tommy on LAFC socials. And if you're calling him Tommy, his name's going to be Angel. And Tommy Angel is like the perfect name for some dude in LA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's, it's so perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I don't even know what I was talking about when I got sidetracked by that. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I His mean, name is Tommy Angel. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think it's 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 them not necessarily feeling the need to ever, you know, make a huge move if they don't want to, right? Again, uh, exactly. Yeah. You don't want it. You don't want to hamstring yourself and get stuck with Douglas Costa. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. That that's that's what poor teams have done, right? And so, like mm-hmm. I said, if there's if there's a, a move that makes sense, but again, I think it proves that. You know, like their success is is really, you know, proving of the fact that like your 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 all your other spots outside of the your DPs have to hit for you to be successful. And when LFC yeah. have hit on their TAM guys more specifically, that's when they've been really good, right? When you yeah. get production from, like I said, in in this past year, right? It, it was the you know in the championship year, it's getting production from Acosta, from Sifu, you know, from those types of guys, as opposed to, you know. Having to having to do other other things, Ilya for that yeah. matter, I think is technically a TAM signing because I think he makes like one point mm-hmm. something a year. So, all right, uh, I do remember. So they they mentioned that they were following Tommy Angel for a couple of years before they they made the move for him, right? So that was like they're gonna pick their spots. Yeah, which I would assume so with his dad being one of our primary scouts. So I would yeah, hope right. they'd be following. <laughs> Yep. All right, Tom Camilleri. Welcome back, guys. I'm sure you talked about the final already, but what made me feel better was how happy the loss made a certain fan base in Carson, he's talking about, as if losing in the finals has more shame than finishing 13th. Kirk, if LAFC don't get a striker again, should they sign Joe Flacco? Um, yeah, I think you're talking about primetime Joe Flacco, right? 
savior of Cle- of the Cleveland Browns season. <laughs> so sign him up. I'm good. He can, he can, I'm sure he could dictate from the six when Ilya needs a breather, right? Play him at keeper and just let him throw the thing the length of the field. I mean, he, he is huge. That's, that's a, that's a decent, that's a decent idea there. Can you, can a keeper score off of in by a throw in? I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could punt it or throw it in. Yeah. Absolutely. No, if you, yeah. If you, so, you know, cause obviously balls you in could, play. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. If you, for that alone, just let that guy sit back there. And, I, mean, I mean, he he can throw as far as Uncle Rico. That guy has an absolute cannon. It's not going to yeah. be accurate, but he might need a little bit of help, like a la Tim Howard when he scored on that uh, goal kick. Yeah, uh, it was like a really windy day. Um, but yeah, anyway. All right, Andy G. How do you guys feel about the prospect of an Ilya Twesta Bogush midfield in comparison to past midfields? Are you comfortable with Tillman and Duenas' depth, or would you like to see one uh, more specific type of midfielder added to that group? Um, I think it depends on what David Martinez is. If he's if David Martinez is a is a tweener, I think you have enough midfielders. Tweener meaning like half space wing or midfield sub. I think you're good with you know with that mix. Uh, again, I I don't remember liking Atuesta as an eight. So I I don't know how it shakes out with him and Ilya, but I maybe maybe he's progressed his game and he can play eight now in that box to box role. I don't know, but I don't. What was he playing in Brazil? Was he playing the six? Does I honestly know? don't know. Yeah, so it's probably a a question for uh, Eric over at Voice of the Black and Gold. But yeah, um, I think you're okay with that. I think Duenas is perfectly fine uh in mls matches and you know you have you have four guys that you really trust in bigger moments there between bogush tillman Ilya, and, and atuesta so i'd be good with it uh next one is eb hate welcome back with this much changeover and no ccl to worry about is the team's prognosis better or worse than last year that's a tough one. I think I think better. Yeah. I feel like there's there's less holes, right? Across the board. So I think at the beginning of last yeah. year, right, you could say, okay, we, we just won a final, but you had a lot of guys leaving and a lot of unknowns. This year, it, it feels like a high floor. I don't know what the ceiling is. Yeah. At minimum. Yeah. Right, I think I think it's a year where there's not a whole lot of pressure, right? Yeah, we don't come to the end of this year like, oh, we we missed out on seven different trophies. It's a failure. Yeah, uh, I think it lowers the expectations in one regard because there's fewer trophies to compete for, but raises the pressure to win one of those that is available to you, right? And I, I think I think they probably want to take a run at the shield this year again, um, given the fact that they'll be playing fewer games and, you know, make another run at MLS cup. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I agree. At this point. Uh, last one here, Josh is from LAFC van. Should we just bring her on and ask her? <laughs> or how do we handle this? I know. Let's see what she's getting rid of Mario. Was that? So she, she's, she's spent the last, uh, what's it called? Since, since, 
since the final has basically just that's her one comment is basically how much she disliked Mario Gonzalez. Get rid of Mario. So here, here is getting rid of Mario Gonzalez. He underperformed. We needed him off the team. Well, I mean, wish granted, man. Like he's yeah. he's gone. I mean, technically he's on loan, but he's not coming back. Like they, we know how this goes. Um, so uh, yeah, I I I I I thought we were gonna get more out of him. I really did. Yeah, he looked uh, he looked the out. part. Yeah, yeah. But I and it's hard to say if it's like because LAFC was so one-dimensional in the attack, if it's just like everything went through Boanga and his game wasn't chasing down through balls, he, he is a fox-in-the-box striker, right? He needs to, he needs service. He's going to find space. But that was not what LAFC was up to last year. So, ah, man. Yeah. Weird sign. Feels like a missed opportunity. And again, and to lose, again, it just comes back to, like I said, Chicho died for nothing because yeah, Chicho's, Chicho's the perfect guy to pair with a Boanga, right? Because he does. Is that, is that the is yeah a hundred percent? Because he's going to create on the fly. He can get through. He's good and he's still good in the box. Like he was really a complete striker, and I think that might be the new tagline for the show. <laughs> Chicho died for nothing. Yeah, at least until <laughs> another the shirts. I'd say until we until to, another number nine, you know, makes our uh, can prove themselves that that is the that is the theme of the show. Yeah, we got to get. Uh, We've got to get happy foot, sad foot on those shirts that he there died for nothing. But anyway, all right. Well, it's so good to be back. Thank you everybody for uh, bearing with us and being so excited when we announced that we were coming back tonight. Um, we do have an announcement. We should have made it at the top of the show. We are joining the goals TV network. Uh, I need to get with Jose again to find out exactly how he wants to launch this thing. But uh, no money is flowing to the show. Still, it's still going to be into like completely independent, but we're joining this network to help, uh, enhance our our reach and also help them build a brand i think i think jose over there has some pretty cool ideas on on how to cover the sport effectively so we're excited to enter that partnership with them josh you got anything else for tonight no i mean i'm i'm just i'm excited to be back excited to get this thing started we're what a month out from the season so here we go again all right you can tweet at us at counterpress underscore me at kirk kinsey josh lfc josh on x All right, a long episode tonight. Good to be back, and we'll talk to you all the next time. Bye.